In the streets of Paris in 1940, it's dark and cold. The streets are wet from rain and there's the smell of smoke and gunpowder. In the distance of a tall apartment building is the sound of airplanes flying past with rumblings of explosions. The streets are empty and it's surprisingly quiet. There's a strange calm about it. It's almost surreal. When you enter the apartment building and walk up two flights of stairs, you hear the creaking old wood every time you press your foot on a loose board with your, with your foot. When you get to the top, there's a single door. It's an old door with an iron knob. You go to knock, and the door creaks open, and a smell of dust and mold overwhelms you. When you walk in, you see drapes over furniture and the light of the moon. It's chilly. You see couches, also covered with drapes, placed around a table. It's a large table, and on that table is a miniature model of the city of Paris. It's also a very precise model, allowing you to to see the exact apartment in which you are currently standing. You hear another plane go by overhead and feel a rumbling from an explosion a few blocks over. And the mold and dust, the smell of it hits you harder as your blood begins to flow faster. Your senses are heightened and you're more alert. The room lightens up as if a cloud just uncovered the moon and you notice someone next to the table on their knees. It's a small young girl and you see her feeling around the small model of Paris, examining the streets that surround her apartment below. Another plane goes by and an explosion happens right outside, hitting a neighboring apartment building. The building shakes and a gust of wind comes through the window as it breaks open, glass glass flying everywhere. The girl in front of you feels the floor around her and grabs something next to her. It's a piece of glass, and all you can see now is the girl with her face drooped and eyes closed, feeling the floor around her. Unsure of where to go or what to do. You hear the rain outside and can smell it, the smell of rain mixing with the concrete outside the window. Another breeze comes into the room and you look at your hands but see nothing but the color green. You look up and see the color blue. You are the girl in that apartment, sitting beside a table in the dark and in the cold, and you feel alone, cold, and unsure of what to do next. Maybe you can relate. You're living life and everything you know around you changes. You look around, unsure of how it all happened, unable to make sense of all the details, only seeing a color that represents how you feel. Maybe you see red because of your anger at the situation, or maybe blue, or green, or black. Maybe you see yellow and feel warmth from the sun, the beams of light beating against your body, slowly warming you. Or maybe it's white, the absence of any color or feeling. You're numb. 
When things around us change or happen for unexpected reasons, we're left to make sense of it. Let me repeat that. When things around us change or happen for unexpected reasons, we're left to make sense of it. So we're continuing in our series in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has a large crowd in front of him, and I imagine the Sea of Galilee behind them. The Sea of Galilee is blue, and on the edge of the sea, where everyone is standing, is a mountainside with green. It's somewhat similar to the Lander Foothills, you know, when you're driving from Riverton, and we had a nice wet spring, nice and green. Mountains are a little bit smaller, um, a little bit warmer over there. But there's a nice breeze keeping everyone comfortable. And significantly, this sermon is happening in the land that was promised to Moses. It was inhabited by the future nations that were promised to Abraham. So as a quick refresher, God promised Abraham that he would be a father to many nations. And God promised to, live, to deliver Moses from Egypt. God would deliver his people to the land of Canaan, where the ground is fertile for growing and it's easy to raise livestock, the land of milk and honey. God promised them these things, but they never got to see it. But as we know, it came to be. And it's in this land where Jesus is delivering a message about the kingdom of heaven. This is a promise that God gives to us. It was not only the faithfulness of Abraham and Moses that got us to the Sea of Galilee. It was the faithfulness of future generations proclaiming the promises given to their ancestors. It was the faith of those who followed God's commands and remembered his promise. The author of Hebrews says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients, like Moses and Abraham, were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. In other words, faith is about not seeing and not knowing what will happen next. It's about having confidence and a hope in something that was promised to us. When Jesus begins his ministry, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is a new promise from God. It's a new order of righteousness. It's a hope for heaven. It's a future that we do not visibly see. but it requires us to live in a way as though we believe the promise. It requires us to live as though we believe what Jesus promised us is true. The kingdom has come near. The Sermon on the Mount famously comes out of the book of Matthew, which is one version of the gospel. And for those of you who are unsure of what I mean, one version, I mean there are four different accounts of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, they're, they're different accounts in the New Testament. The single gospel given in these four different accounts is the story of Jesus completing Israel's story. The story that, 
the story after Abraham and Moses, and the completion of what the Old Testament prophet Isaiah foretold as a suffering servant who would crush Satan. The gospel is a story of Jesus. And a lot of critical New Testament scholars believe different accounts were written down, circulating around the area. Um, you know, so when you're reading some of these accounts, there's some parables uh, in one and maybe not in another or different variations. But before Jesus got to the Sermon on the Mount, there are a few things that happened first. First, Jesus recognizes who God is and the true path of righteousness. Second, Jesus tells others to repent. And third, Jesus says, come follow me. So for the Sermon on the Mount to really mean anything to you, the first step is recognizing that serving only God is the only path to righteousness. Second, you're willing to change your ways or repent. And third, you will live a life of faith according to the teachings of Jesus. So first, recognize, repent, follow. So I'm sure you've heard that Jesus was baptized. He was baptized because he knew he needed the Holy Spirit to live a life of faith that served God only. Remember, Jesus was fully man and fully God. The divine nature, God in the flesh, required the Holy Spirit to overcome the sin of this world. When we're baptized, we recognize that Jesus' ministry was valid. And by following him, we're saying Jesus is God and the only path to righteousness is through him. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went into the wilderness and he was confronted by Satan as he fasted. And in the worldly temptations before him, he said, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The wilderness we find ourselves in today is this world. There are temptations that will always come before us, and we will also always have a choice on how we respond. To worship God through our actions, or to worship some other idol, or even ourself. Jesus in the flesh, God with us, Emmanuel is tempted to serve his own physical needs over the will of God the Father. He's reminded when he's in the wilderness, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We have to recognize what it takes to serve God, and it takes everything, your whole life. Maybe you're struggling with this idea, this idea of God. Maybe you're here to learn more about who he is and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you haven't recognized this yet, I want to encourage you not to just change your behaviors. Because that's, that doesn't make you better in the eyes of God. Simply changing how you act is religious. That's not what following Jesus is about. Once, you ha- <clears throat> Once you've recognized God is worthy of all your worship and your entire life, you have no real reason to change. You have to recognize who God is and be willing to serve him only. Once you've recognized that God is worthy of worship, that he's worthy of following, 
This is when you repent. When Jesus began preaching, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent is an action word, like a physical action. It's not saying sorry or apologizing to God for all the wrong that you may have done. It's not feeling guilty, although that may exist. Repentance is changing your ways, changing who you are and what you do. It's changing what or who you serve. The Apostle John wrote in a letter, in 1 John, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Maybe you love money or cars or guns or maybe you're addicted to something. Maybe it's smoking or alcohol or pornography. All of these things, except for pornography, which is a distortion of what sex should be and what God created it to be, are not evil in and of themselves. Alcohol or smoking may not be good for you, um, and guns certainly can hurt other people, but they're not evil. Money is also necessary to buy food, shelter, and clothing. It's not evil either. It's when you love the things of this world and lust after them that you do not have love for God. Your actions mean something. They are a reflection of your heart. So Jesus tells us to repent. There's a new promise from God, and that is the kingdom of heaven. Change your ways. Do not live after the world. Lift after God. <clears throat> live after God. Seek after God. Let me be clear. Repentance is not easy or done alone. If you have a real addiction, it doesn't just go away. But when you recognize God as Father, and you as a son or daughter of God, you can trust that God will help you overcome your struggles. Repentance comes from a willingness to change after recognizing God is worthy of your worship. When you choose to repent, you are simultaneously choosing to follow Jesus. The gospel is the good news about how you can live a righteous life. The death and resurrection of Jesus is good news indeed. It shows that death has been overcome and our salvation or our hope for the kingdom of heaven is secure. It's holding on to the promise God has given us. Following Jesus is a life of faith. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Just like Abraham was given a promise to be the father of many nations, and like Moses was promised to be given the land in Canaan or modern-day Israel, we have also been promised the kingdom of heaven. We live out our faith by serving God alone in the way Jesus teaches us. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have confidence in our hope of a future beyond death, and that's why we can trust him. If we truly have confidence in a future 
beyond death. Our only option is to respond to Jesus in faith. Let's go back to that apartment building in Paris. The cold air is blowing against your face from the broken window and you're holding a piece of glass in your hands. You see nothing but a color. Maybe it's purple. And next to you, as you're kneeling on the ground, is that perfect model of Paris next to you. You know where your apartment building is in the city by touch and feel alone. Before the explosion, you've been feeling that model and taking walks with your father through the city. You count your steps and recognize how the stones below your feet change as you navigate the streets. You know there are 23 steps to the front door, and once you exit, you take more steps down the porch, and from the porch, with birds chirping and the sound of children playing, you take another 15 steps, you feel the stones of the public sidewalk underneath your feet, and you turn right, feeling the fence as you take 200 steps to reach the bakery. And as you walk into the bakery, you smell the freshly, baked, <clears throat> the freshly baked bread. The air is warm and it's moist from the heat of the ovens. And as your father buys the bread, he turns and grabs your hand, taking you outside. He bends over to whisper in your ear, you take the lead. You see only the color blue, blue like the sky. And you respond, but I don't know where I'm going. And he says, don't worry, I'm right behind you. As you went on, you begin taking walks alone, navigating the city from memory. Again, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The girl in Paris is literally blind. She cannot see. Her world fell apart as she held the broken glass in her hand. When things around us change or happen for unexpected reasons, we're left to make sense of it. So the girl remembered her father walking behind her, teaching her faith in her memory. She had a reason to hope because she could trust her father. When the, world around you, <clears throat> when the world around you breaks and you can't make sense of it, you're blind, remember that God keeps his promises. By faith, you follow Jesus. You live the life he told us a true disciple lives. When it gets tough, you remember the death and resurrection of Jesus. There's a future hope for you. When this world kills you, you have hope for the kingdom of heaven. Like I said, we're continuing our series of the Sermon on the Mount. So there's Jesus with the green mountain behind him and the blue sea of Galilee in front of him, in front of him as well as a large crowd and his disciples. And he says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
The eye is the lamp for the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What I want to point out is this. What we look at and what we desire impacts the life we live. If our focus is to make money and not love and serve other people, we may have unhealthy eyes. And when Jesus is talking about healthy eyes, he's talking about generous and stingy eyes. Are you looking to serve others? Are you willing to serve others? Are you serving yourself? When you serve yourself, you hold on to things that you think define you. Maybe it's holding wealth, not giving it away to those in need. Or maybe it's buying a bunch of things to make you feel like you're worth more. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The kingdom of heaven is not a place you can take all of your toys or any of your money. But the relationships you build and the hope you share with others in Jesus, that's a treasure that can pass into the kingdom of heaven. There is no being on the fence here. When Jesus preached, several people went away sad, especially people who had accumulated wealth. Remember, we're called to serve God alone. You can only serve one master. God wants all of you. Treasures, toys, wealth, whatever, those things aren't bad unless they come before God. So when you recognize God is worthy of your worship, repent, change your ways and seek God for help, and finally follow Jesus. Read the gospel and see how Jesus lived his life. At Wind River Community Church, our vision is to be a community intentionally connecting people with Jesus. So a little bit ago, Ken got up with a card, a connection card. And if you want to get connected with Jesus and be a follower of Jesus, I'd really encourage you to fill one of those cards out. Get connected with a small group. Um, It's nice to have people encouraging you every day as you try to serve only God and not yourself and, and everything else in this world. Um, so would you please stand with me? We're going to pray. And then we'll uh, get into worship. God, when the world falls apart around us, help us to trust in you. To have faith. When things get tough and, and, we, and our priorities seem challenged, help us to be redirected to you. And as we choose to follow you, help keep us away from any temptation and help us to serve you only. Amen.